And welcome everyone, it's that special time of the week again. It's time for Cape TV, your weekly TV show recap podcast in the realm of superheroes and other nerdy television. I, of course, am always am your host, Joel, and joining me is my partner in podcast crime, Matt. How are you going, Joe? How was Emerald City Comic Con? It was really cool. It was really awesome. We all actually kind of took a week off from podcasting. That's why if you're listening to this show over on the Weekly Pull channel, there's been no Weekly Pull, there's been no Pull Hell, there's been no Comic Multiverse over on our channel. This, I think this will be the first podcast back depending on when Sal uploads this. Yeah, yeah, I think it will be. So there you go, everyone. I had a wonderful time. I'm sure we'll be talking about it more on all the other shows. What uh, what were you doing, Matt, with essentially a week off? We're not used to having a week <laughs> off, are we? Well, I had a week off from podcasting, but not reviews. I still oh, did yeah. all my reviews. And the good thing is, though, I just upgraded all my... Um, adobe products to like the brand new one nice. so my videos all render now in like five minutes or so oh, so good. i can get get a heap done uh in a lot shorter time that's good i i'm actually catching up on quite a few of my own videos i only have a few i might actually be done this week i might actually get to the bottom of the pile yeah same Another thing I was sure to do was to catch up on all the tv shows i missed while i was away so even though we're covering only about four shows on the podcast today we'll probably go a little longer because we'll have to cover the stuff from last week that we missed so on and so forth yeah and uh, starting off as we normally do matt i will hand the reins of the show over to you and you can tell us all about supergirl season two episode 15 exodus and i guess what was ever last week i didn't research what was last week yeah so this was these two episodes from last week and this week were kind of a two-parter. Oh, nice. Um, it saw the return of Dean Cain's Jeremiah Danvers. Oh, sweet, Dean. And, uh, yeah, he, he's kind of a bad guy now. Oh, shit. But he's not dead, though. That's a, that's an old no. joke for uh, for people who remember what Matt and I used to do before. <laughs> I I was certain that Dean Cain had died. He wasn't, just his career. <laughs> yeah, just his career, starring, starring in movies like Man Camp. <laughs> But yeah, so shit, he's evil now, you don't say. Yeah, and I was technically right when I called that he'd be Cyborg Superman because he's part Cyborg now as really? well. Because that was a theory you were really proud of, and I agreed. Where it's like, yeah, imagine if they brought Dean Kane in, who was Superman, in another thing and actually make him into a Cyborg Superman. Yeah, he's, he's, he technically doesn't go by that moniker, but he's, he's still Cyborg, and he was Superman, so... So it um, technically counts. Yeah, and he uses the trust of his daughters to get into the DEO and take their alien registry, which he then oh. gives to Lillian Luther and Cadmus. Oh, shit. And this episode this week, they use that list to round up all the aliens in National City, and they plan on putting them on the ship on that they've been building over the season and, I guess, blasting them to the other side of the universe. Oh, shit, it's like the Salvation Run, only with aliens instead of supervillains. Yeah, pretty much. Damn. Well, they actually did it. They rounded them all up, and they're going to shoot them up into space. I, I mean, you can't say they're not proactive, and from what you're making it sound, they were building up to this all season long. Yeah, yeah, they were, and um, it, it kind of paid off a little bit, this one. We got a really cool scene of Kara trying to stop the ship when it's in the outer orbit. She's trying to push it down into the orbit and everything, and it was actually really cool. And we also got a little bit more from... Um, Monel as well, because the end of this episode teased uh, Kevin Sorbo and Terry Hatch's yes. character. Who, yeah, they're like the king uh, and queen, right, of Daxum. 
Yeah, I think they are um, Monel's parents. Oh shit, that's that's actually pretty good casting. Yeah, it's really good casting. I actually, I actually like that Sorbo as the king of Dax, and that's not bad because he's one of those actors who you could believe, like a long time ago, like twenty, thirty years ago, you could see them casting him as a Superman-like character. Well, he was actually going to be playing Superman in Lois and Clark, but Dean Cain got the role, so that's that's amazing. Like the legacy casting that Supergirl does, really all the CW shows when you see that John Wesley ship over on Flash. But it's crazy to think they go that extra mile and cast those people. Yeah, it's great. It's really well done, man. That like that's a whole another level of fan service and nerdity that these show people know. Yeah, and it's that fan service that only a couple of people might know. Absolutely. I'm sure most Supergirl fans are like, okay, when's Tom Welling going to get a part in this? Mm, you never know. When are you going to get Tom? What is he even doing these days, Welling? I think he's like like a producer. Really? Like he's, he's a director-producer sort of thing. Like he's done a couple of TV shows. He did one recently. It didn't get picked up, but he's mm. he's been doing producer stuff, not really acting or anything. Sounds like he's trying to dodge that Superman curse. For those of you who don't know, the Superman curse is this idea, and I wouldn't even say it's an idea, I think it's been proved in a lot of cases, that the role of Superman destroyed the careers of everyone who took it, if not straight up killed them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because you think about everyone who ever played Superman, they are either dead currently, didn't do much after being Superman, or, you know... Or, uh, what is it, Cavill right now? I mean, time will tell if Cavill can break this. Because, I mean, Cavill has been in other movies outside just Man of Steel and everything. But we'll see what happens once that cycle ends. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that was super cool. You liked those two episodes? You liked Exodus? Yeah, yeah, they were really cool episodes. Better than the last couple of episodes have been. That's good. That's definitely good to hear. And I guess from Supergirl, we can move on over to The Flash. And before we get to this newest episode, Season 3, Episode 15, uh, Wrath of Savitar, I wanted to talk about the one that preceded it, and that is uh, Attack on Central City, Part 2 of the Gorilla City 2-parter. And you know what, Matt? I'm going to say something that might be a little controversial. I might say something that, you know, people might get mad at me at, but when have I ever cared? I did not like the second half of the Gorilla City thing. I didn't either. It didn't feel like we like what we said in our last show. We didn't think the next part was kind of needed because it was kind of a self-contained story in that one yeah. episode, and it kind of proved us right. Yeah, they wrapped up everything with Gorilla City in part one. They did not need part two. In fact, I would not be surprised if at one point they were all supposed to be one part, but they're like, no, 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 this is too good. We got to make a big event out of this and split it into two. Yeah, exactly. Really, the only thing we get out of part two is we get to see Grodd and the gorillas come to the city, and we get a big fight between Solovar and Grodd, which was cool, but all in the time I was thinking, I'm like, it's not a lot of Flash going on in this episode, huh? No, it wasn't. It was more definitely Solovar and Grodd this episode. Which, don't get me wrong, love those characters, but I sincerely doubt they're going to, you know, spin off Grodd and Solovar into their own show. <laughs> well, what would that show be? Like, would it be a comedy, an action, a horror? It would be a police drama set in, you know, Gorilla City, where, you know, oh, there was a gorilla murder. Only Detective Solovar can solve this. <laughs> he's got to do it. And, oh, oh, and Grodd would be his Hannibal Lecter. He would go to Gorilla Prison, where he's being held. It's like, oh, the gorilla's screaming again, Solovar. Oh, I guess I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> 
there, there you go, CW. Berlanti, are you listening? I just pitched you a fucking winner right there. <laughs> also, hey, can we talk about this? Uh, what I love, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about Legends this week, but man, is that Vancouver Forest getting a lot of love in the last couple episodes oh, of these CW shows. It's amazing how much Vancouver looks like Africa and and the Cretaceous period. I and... swear to God, they've walked down that same forest path several times. They just put a different filter over it. It's probably like somewhere, like it's like just behind the studio uh, they work in. They say, oh, we'll just go out the back. I, I tell you what, man, I'm in Victoria right now. Vancouver's not too far away from where I'm currently staying. That's a Cape Joel field trip I gotta go on. I gotta find this path. <laughs> just go stand in the forest and say you're in Africa. <laughs> Guys, I found Gorilla City. Guys, I traveled back in time to the Cretaceous period. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that was the Gorilla City thing. Not as good, which is unfortunate. I mean, the one thing it did kind of do is it, you know, moved forward the relationship between Gypsy and uh, Vibe, which is okay, I guess, but definitely not what I was looking for in part two of a Gorilla City thing. I hope I hope they jump back in this Gorilla trilogy, and I hope part three is better, because you know they're going to revisit these characters again. Oh, yeah, probably next season. It's become sort of like a thing. You can tell which are going to come back in the next mm-hmm. season. Like, we're going to have a Grub, we're obviously going to have a crossover, probably a Captain Cold or Rogues episode. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of become a tradition. Now, the episode from this week was, of course, Wrath of Savitar, and, you know, kind of going off what happened at the end of the previous episode, Wally has started seeing Savitar in his mind, and he's getting freaked out, and apparently, despite all the conversations and all the episodes they've had built around it, apparently Team Flash still has a problem telling each other the goddamn truth. <laughs> God damn it, it it saved so much hassle. <laughs> it really would. Like, half the episode is like, oh, I didn't want to tell you guys about Savitar, even though we've had a talk about telling everyone the truth. I just I just thought I was going crazy. Well, you still should have told them if you just thought you were going crazy. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, didn't the exact same thing happen to Barry? It did. It really, really did. Uh, furthermore, too, I know we had talked about this in a previous episode, and someone had commented on it where I said, you know, man... Are they going to be able to keep doing Savitar the way they are because he looks to be a really expensive effect and literally everything we see him in is just computer effects? Well, they built him a costume for this episode and we get to see the costume. We do, and uh, it really, really irked me as well because like there'd be scenes where they'd change from the costume mm-hmm. then to the CGI and then back to the costume. Mm-hmm. And you could tell the difference because oh, the guy yes. in in the costume is no much taller than Barry, whereas the CGI is like seven foot tall monster. And he's very slick and very angular and very pointy. Suit Savitar is puffy. I'm sorry to say it. He is a puffball. Puffy plastic. Puffy plastic Savitar, which is not scary at all. Now, I know why they did it. They wanted to save a little money, and they wanted more interaction. The big first time we see him in this episode, in fact, he's knocking Wally all around an alley. Mm-hmm, yep. Which is fine, but at the same time, too, like you said, make it one or the other. Either make it computer Savitar all the time or make it suit Savitar, because my brain will keep recognizing the difference every time, even if I don't want it to. Yeah, and especially with like a character like that, like if it was someone in like a Flash costume, it would make sense. But yeah, but like someone who actually has a costume that basically requires CGI, Mm -hmm. a guy who might not even be human for all we know. Yeah, exactly. You got to do it CGI. Mm -hmm. 
another thing about this episode that totally irked me. So, Barry, in his furthering attempt to try and make sure Iris doesn't die, is being like, okay, well, I'll ask her to marry me, because in the vision I saw, she didn't have a ring on her finger, and that's me, you know, further gaming the time system. Mm-hmm. Yep. Only, as is so often the case in these time travel stories, the more you try and fight the future, the harder it comes. The thing that irked me about it, though, is they're like, oh, we gotta go uh, fight this thing, you know, come on, Wally, come on, Jesse, who is now on this Earth. Wally says the dumbest thing, and, like, I had to actually pause. He's like, okay, Barry, let's go do this. Uh, Jesse's, you know, going gaga over the ring right now, let's us go, and I'm like, oh, wow. That's like some old, like, original uh, Fantastic Four writing there for women. Sorry, Jessie can't do her job as a superhero right now. She's looking at jewelry. Women, am I right? <laughs> Maybe later they'll make us some sandwiches. <laughs> well, she's from Earth 2, which is kind of stuck in that Art Deco yeah. 1950s sort of thing. You know so. that? I didn't think of that. You're absolutely right. Earth 2 is a weird, like, neo-1950s, isn't it? It is. <laughs> but the attitudes are totally different. Huh. I did not think of that. That's You might have cracked the case on this one. So, yeah, I mean, we got more stuff with the Wally-Jesse relationship. Oh, will they, won't they, can they stick together? I want to like Wally so badly, and I've liked Wally for long stretches of time. But then there's episodes like this where he just gets so pouty and gets such a bug up his ass at the first sign of, like, hardship. He just goes to pieces. Yeah, he, it, it's true. He's done it on multiple occasions since becoming a mainstay character. Mm. He just something gets a bit too hard. He starts, he, he like cracks the shits and starts getting all angry and everything. Thin-skinned is the word I'd use to describe him. He is incredibly thin-skinned, and that's not endearing, that he always needs to have his hand held and his ego rebuilt every time something bad happens to him. Yep. Like, hell, for all the problems Iris has, and Iris has many problems, even she doesn't need that done for her. Nope. What, uh, what else was going on in this episode? There was, there was a lot going on here. So, yeah, they're worried about Savitar, and the harder they try and fight his coming, they eventually end up causing it. Oh, yeah, um, uh... Caitlin has still has a piece of the Philosopher's Stone for yeah. some reason. <laughs> yeah, wow, so Caitlin fucked up big time on this one. My question is, how did no one know she had a big, giant, glowing piece of jewelry this whole time? <laughs> oh, they're, they're too too infatuated with Iris's ring. Yeah, they were all looking at the ring this whole time. They couldn't tell. Now, yeah, I understand why Caitlin did it. She fears her transformation and everything. But wow, for a character so smart, that's a giant fuck up. It is, yeah, oh my god. Like, that's, like, we might not ever speak to you again. Like, you would think <laughs> even once she knew about the Savitar thing, like, oh, Savitar might return, she really should have come clean then, shouldn't she have? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The fact that she waited this long to come clean, I'm like, Caitlin, I want to like you, but that makes it hard to like <laughs> you. Unless, unless inevitably... In, when she eventually, you know, accepts her role as Killer Frost and accepts her powers, if she helps defeat Savitar, if she's, like, key in doing it, that would be an interesting redemption arc, I feel. Yeah, it, it definitely could be. I just hope they don't bungle it. Yeah, I hope they don't bungle it either. But, yeah, I mean, that that was this episode. Team Flash basically fucked everything up. They made it worse. Yeah, all pretty I, much. <laughs> all I could feel watching this is, like, geez, did the Legends writers take over this for a second? <laughs> I expect this from those guys, but Team Flash is usually shown to be much smarter. 
<laughs> it, it wasn't a bad episode. I know I'm harping on, like, the bad stuff. There was cool stuff in it, too. Julian, they do the whole, uh, like, Savitar seance thing where they hook him up and Tobin Bell's voice starts coming out of his mouth. That was cool. Yeah, I, I liked that. I thought that was pretty cool. Awesome. That's good stuff. You know, Tom Felton <clears throat> definitely gets to show off his acting chops in that because it's like, hey, talk without talking. Yeah. That was pretty good. You know, Joe had some fun stuff this episode because Joe, interestingly enough, when he hears that Iris and Barry are getting married, he's like, well, hey, why didn't you ask my permission first? Yeah, he kind of got a little bit mad. He did. And, you know, in my head, at first I'm like, well, geez, Joe, you're kind of both their dads, I assumed you, if anyone would think that's okay. But then I'm like, no, no, it is a respect thing. It is a respect thing. You should ask. But, man, you've got a weird fucked up family situation where your surrogate son is marrying your literal daughter. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. It's a little creepy. I know the writers never intended that to happen. They just wanted it to be easy. But every time we get into situations like this, you're like, oh, yeah, you have the same dad, don't you? <laughs> you have the same really cool Jesse L. Martin dad. So, yeah, that was that was Wrath of Savitar. It was okay. This was definitely an episode where they just needed to get stuff done, and I don't think they put enough real thought into how they needed to get from point A to point B, but it was fine. Yeah, it was all right. It was all right. Now, moving on from one character fucking up time to a whole team's worth of people fucking up time, we have Legends of Tomorrow Season 2, Episode 13, Land of the Lost. Ha ha ha, do you get it? It's a Sid and Marty Croft reference. Yeah, oh boy, this episode. <laughs> Captain Rip Hunter on a routine expedition made the raise <laughs> earthquake ever known, plunged them into the land of the lost. That's basically the entire episode. I basically just sung you the plot. <laughs> now, Matt, t tell me the thing you told me on Twitter that had me cracking up about this episode. Oh, so, like, because Rip still has access to the ship because mm -hmm. evil and he's evil. He decides to fuck with the, the legends and in doing so it breaks off a piece of their ship. That's apparently really important. So they of course decided to put it on the outside of the ship. Mm -hmm. Um, and it Great threw them into the <laughs> it threw them into the Cretaceous period, which is the exact same point where, uh, Ray was, uh, dropped off in the Cretaceous period at the start of this season. Which means you get to reuse all those sets and all that stuff. Yeah, all those sets that are just at the back of the Vancouver lot. <laughs> in fact, man, this entire episode, like, if you are an independent filmmaker and you want to save money on, like, a shoestring budget, this is the episode you watch because, man, did they stretch pennies so far in this episode. Oh boy, did they ever. For one, they reused the Cretaceous period that we saw for, like, a minute at the beginning of uh, the season. They reused that. They reused the dinosaur effect that they had. But even more so, a big chunk of this episode just takes place on the ship, but there's two levels of it. There's them actually walking around the ship like normal. Then there's the dreamscape version of the ship where they just film it, put some like dry ice mist in it, and put another filter over it. Yep, and and also no one is in their costumes, so they don't have to worry about costuming. Everyone's, for some reason, gone out into dinosaur-infested lands dressed like tourists. With nothing. Here's the thing that always blows me away. Oh, no, we lost an important piece of the ship. We need to find it. Maybe have Firestorm transform. He can fly, pick it up, and then fly it back. Did you think? No. Hey, Vixen, you know you can summon the power of birds, right? Fly, pick it up, and come back. No, really? No one's going to well, do this, huh? Or, or better yet, hey, Firestorm, 
can you just make the parts to that shit with your powers? You know, you are the nuclear man, you are alchemy, you can do all this if you try. <laughs> <laughs> or you could just, you know, not try. <laughs> that seems to be his greatest power. I like this episode. Not trying. Not trying. I like this episode, too. It really hit me. I'm like, wow, Jax, you started off this show being, like, you know, a cool kid mechanic and, like, former jock. Now you're the Scotty of the Wave Rider. <laughs> He's literally like, oh, I can't do it, uh, Captain Lance. I can't push it anymore. I tried fixing the flux capacitors and everything else. Like, that's his thing now. He's just the mechanic. <laughs> It's funny. Uh, oh, man, what else was going on in this episode? So, yeah, they they do like an Inception bit where uh, White Canary and everyone else says, you know, I think we can save Rip. I think we can rewrite his mind. But we got to go inside his head to get him right is what we got to do. And luckily, Heatwave knows how to do this because he saw the Time Masters do it when he was Kronos. Hey, remember when he was Kronos and they don't mention that? <laughs> So they have a whole thing where they go deep inside his mind, and admittedly, they get away with a really clever thing this episode, and that is they get the actress who does the voice of Gideon to show up as Gideon in the Mindscape. Yeah, it, that was kind of weird. It's kind of like, the, hey, we just saw Ada on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, I did get a very strong Ada vibe. It was cool, though, to see the actress, because it's like, hey, we only ever paid you for the voice, but now you get to show up physically. <laughs> And then we kind of get, like, one of those weird, like, Captain loves his ship thing, literally, because, like, what brings Rip back is, like, he makes out with the ship a little bit. Yeah, that was kind of creepy. Yeah, so Captain Rip Hunter is back to being good now, which I find to be super disappointing, because I thought evil Rip was awesome. He was. He was much better than good Rip. <laughs> he won more. He got more shit done. So he's back to being good Rip now. And they're sort of teasing like a romance between him and the ship because the ship remembers what happened in the mindscape. Are they going to like find him making out with like a bulkhead or something? <laughs> Rip, what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> are they, are they going to do what they did for Joker in Mass Effect? Is he going to build like a sexy robot body for Gideon? <laughs> and is she going to start walking around? Is she going to join the team now? I hope not. Or like or like Ava from uh what is it, Green Lantern. That was another thing where the ship AI became a person. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm not against it. I could see the show going in that direction because it's like, you know, hey, taking notes from other more popular science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Also, too, the stuff with the with the dinosaurs, this bugged me, too. Where at the end, you think, oh, we're going to get a cool dinosaur fight. No, Vixen just used her powers of dinosaur to calm the beast. And I'm like, why didn't you open with that if you could do that <laughs> anyway? Yeah, she's like the only one who like, carries like the, the thing that makes her special all mm -hmm. the time. And she refuses to use it when she hears that there's a dinosaur around. Mm-hmm. On a positive note, though, this episode did also, uh, you know, kind of have a conversation about something I had been wondering, and that is, you know, this, you know, Amara, as her character, she is the grandmother of the vixen we will know, the vixen we've seen in the short little animated segments and the one who showed up on Arrow for a minute. What is her thing in the time stream? She will eventually need to go home, right? Because she's got to go home raise a family so the other vixen can be born and so time won't get fucked up yeah so um nate's kind of upset about that right because they're essentially you know showing that their romance will ultimately be a tragic one because they cannot stay together yeah 
Or, you know, again, with time travel and writing on this show, maybe he'll knock her up, she'll go back in time, and that's how the new uh, Vixen is born anyway. She's just like a very distant relation to, uh, to Haywood. It wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me either. And in fact, that's another thing we learned in this episode, that the original Commander Steel, Haywood's grandfather, he's the guy who has the last piece of the spear. Yeah, so we're heading towards the end of the, this arc or whatever they're doing with it. Or this season. How many episodes are left in the season, honestly? I honestly have lost count. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to tell with CW shows because they have those breaks in between. Yeah, and they have shows that run for 22 episodes or some that run for 15 or something. So that was Legends of Tomorrow. I gotta say, it's definitely on the weaker side of legends episodes they've had some strong ones this season i would say this one was on the weaker side yeah it suffers from legends writing it does but you know what if you're one of those people who stuck with legends because it was so bad it was good that if you liked it in the same way you like the room you're gonna like this one because this is one of those oh my god did they actually do that ha 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 type episodes <laughs> it, it really is which, you know, as a thing, for Legends, I think a certain type of writer on that show, I think they understand that that is actually an appeal of the show, and I think they'll go out of their way sometimes to either poke fun at the inconsistencies in the writing or make more inconsistencies. Well, they kind of do that a little bit with Rory. Yeah. Like, there, there was that opening where he, he literally called them all idiots. Who, and who caused more everything. problems than they stop. Yeah. <laughs> That's why Heatwave has become so wonderful on this show now, because he is now the voice of the fans. He, They probably just grab a bunch of, you know, uh, writing from fan forms, and they're like, okay, make uh, make Dominic Purcell say this. <laughs> yeah, that, this is his script, this thread <laughs> which, on which, 4Gen. <laughs> which, hey, man, if you're listening to this, feel free to take anything Matt and I have said and have Heatwave say it. You know, just go for it. <laughs> We're totally fine with this. You don't have to pay us. You know, just just, you know, just give us a little credit. It's totally okay. <laughs> so, yeah, from Legends of Tomorrow to Star Wars Rebels, I was lucky enough to get to watch this episode uh, before we started. It was Season 3, Episode 19, Double Agent Droids. Yes, this is a, uh, a, a droid-centric episode. Yes, which, you know what, they've actually done a couple of these so far. This, we get to see, uh, what's his name, uh, K... Uh, or, or, uh, PZ. K Right, of course, or I call him Sass Droid because that's what he is. Sass Droid. <laughs> he is the sassiest of the droids. He is just the driest wit droid. It's him, Chop, and Wedge, of all people, sent on a special mission by Hera to get the access codes they need for their eventual attack on the Lothal factory, which has really been the driving focus of this season. That's their big target that they want to hit. Yeah, and I think that's going to be like the season finale, which is coming up in a couple of episodes only. Yeah, it's getting close. Yeah, um, but I, I like that they make it so that Wedge was the only person who could do it because everyone else knows how Chopper and PZ get along. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why they had to put him in there. And I'm like, oh, wow, an actual Wedge-focused episode. I wonder, are we going to learn more about his life? Are we going to learn more of the? No, he stays in the ship, and it really is more droid-focused. But you, you hit the nail on the head there, Matt. It had to be Wedge because anyone else would have figured out the plot before it was too soon. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chop essentially gets a virus, so a bunch of what is essentially Empire tech support guys with Lobot helmets infect him and start, like, turning him against the other members of the Ghost. Yeah, they try and find the base, they try and wipe the security clearances they got given to them and everything. Mm -hmm. It's causing havoc. Yeah, definitely. What I love about this, and it's something you and I have mentioned several times before, Chop is the most deadly member 
of the rebels. He has killed more people than anyone else. He's gotten ships to crash into each other. He's gotten guys to, you know, trip and shoot other people. And in this episode, he almost kills the entire team single-handedly. Yeah, and I think if he was left to it, he probably would have killed them and probably ended the rebellion before it started. Yeah, shop the deadliest one. So much to the point that when the uh, Empire controller, you know, when their tech support was like, oh, we have an unknown droid here. Look at, like, the registry of rebel droids. Chop has, like, a whole file and pictures of him. Like, <laughs> oh, this rebel droid is very dangerous. Be on the outlook for him. <laughs> I thought that's so, so funny and so awesome. And, you know, Sass Droid was amazing in this, too. He is so funny, and his back and forth with Chop, it is like they're definitely channeling into that whole C-3PO, R2-D2 thing of like, oh, they have a love-hate relationship, but they take it to the next level. Yeah, oh, yeah, God, yeah. I'd love to see this droid and C-3PO going at it. Oh, oh definitely. There's, there's, there's an episode right there for Down the Line. Funnier still... This episode also tackles a subject that is very near and dear to both our hearts, Matt, and that is that droids are second-class citizens and no one pays attention to them. Yeah, that's like another thing like PZ brings up as well. Like he's so much better than everyone, but no one takes notice of him or anything. It's true. He's like, I got this mission done without, you know, a hitch. I'm able to walk by all these Imperial guys because they don't notice us. They just think we're tools that, you know, we don't have personalities or emotions and everything. And they, even the crew of the Ghost, even the good guys don't listen to him right away, even though he's telling the truth. Yeah, and it's kind of at the end that Harris is like, maybe we should listen to this guy a little bit more. He seems to be on the ball about it. Yeah, maybe maybe we learned a lesson. And, oh man, the the joke that was killing me is that, you know, he gets lost in space sass droid there and they, they forgot he was there. He saved the day and they forgot he was there and he's just floating through the blankness of space and he's like, oh, finally I'm at peace. And he starts singing a little bit and it's very like 2001 A Space Odyssey <laughs> only for them to show up and he's like, no, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna die. <laughs> uh, oh, <laughs> so good. And again, to him, like, man, there's a lot of, like, deep themes and, like, really adult humor in a Star Wars show on Disney. Also, to a body count, uh, Hera kills some motherfuckers in this episode. Oh, God, does she ever? She murders a whole ship full of nerds, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> and it's not like G.I. Joe, where it's like, oh, I'm sure they, you know, shuttled away or anything. No, they didn't. No, they blew up. No, they, they died. They died bad. <laughs> they suffered before their deaths. But, uh, yeah, that was Double Agent Droid. I really liked this one. Like, I know I say that about every Rebels episode, but I think this is one of the most unique and funny ones they've done. Yeah, it really was. It was completely different from the last Droid episode they did as well. Mm -hmm. I think this is a perfect example of what Star Wars Rebels nails where so many other Star Wars things fail, and that is you can really tell stories about anything in this universe. You can have a Jedi story, a spy story, a comedy story like what this was. Yeah, yeah, exactly like, you know our real world there's different stories you know there can be different stories in the star wars universe as well not a single lightsaber not a single force thing in this whole episode just droids doing droid stuff yep and it was wonderful and it was charming now uh i, I guess too because we'll talk about it because there was some big stuff that happened in the previous episode because it focused on uh ma mothel yeah mon mothma she um uh, was kind of what was the episode called? Secret Cargo. Yes. She she was the secret cargo for the ghost. Yes, because and, uh, she's uh, finally establishing the uh, Rebel Alliance. 
yeah, she's sort of escaping the Imperials and uh, yeah, it, it was a really cool episode. I really liked it. Yeah, it was really nice to see that character. I love that that character who showed up for like a few seconds in A New Hope they've added so much importance to her character now and being like, no, well, she was the first one to speak out against the Emperor and Palpatine. And, you know, she actually brought legitimacy and the political muscle that the Rebel Alliance needed to all rally around. Yeah, she she, she was in Return of Jedi and Rogue One. Yes. Not, not, not A New Hope. Oh, really? No, she wasn't in A New Hope. Well, I can't fucking remember. It's been a I'm long sure time since was. I watched she, those she, movies. She's the one in the uh, in the briefing, isn't she? Like she doesn't give them the plans and be like, "Oh, this is how we're going to attack." But isn't she the one who says, "Many Bothans lost their lives"? To yeah, get you this? that's re- that's Return of the Jedi. Really? Isn't? Oh shit, maybe I'm wrong. You know, Matt, I th- I think it's because Rogue One uses the same sets as A, a New Hope, like that briefing room, and she's in that. So yeah, that's probably what's fucking. You know, Matt, you're the Star Wars expert on this one. I will defer to you on this. I think it's so cool that Rebels has been on so long now, and in fact it will be on for at least another season because they've greenlit a season four now, that we have literally seen the birth and growth of the Rebel Alliance since it started. Yeah, we're actually getting like a a complete timeline, kind of. Absolutely. We can like sort of track everything now, which is really cool. I wonder if by season four we'll actually see their base from A New Hope, we'll actually see like the jungle planet and everything. I have a feeling we will, like, I I have a feeling that there's going to be an episode where they go and establish it. That would be awesome. Be like, yeah, the crew of the ghosts, they had to, like, you know, cut their way through all the wilderness and the brush and set up a place there. We see what I think is going to happen is at the end of this season, Thrawn's going to take out their base that they have now, that chopper base. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to go look for one. And that's when they come in and go to an episode or two episodes where they scout and end up on Yavin 4. Yeah, I I would like that a lot, and I would also like to see maybe be like, hey, we got all these different rebel factions together and everything, but not all the rebel factions have the same ideologies, because as we've obviously seen with guys like Saw Gerrera, who how awesome would it be if he showed up again, that some are more extreme and some are a little don't give a fuck. I have a feeling Saw's going to show up, and I know that they've kind of been alluding to, but it might happen, might not happen, that um, uh, Cassian from Rogue One might show up. Mm, You could have him. You could totally have him. Yeah. There's a lot of characters you could still have. You could bring Leia back again and do an episode with Leia if you wanted. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Also, I know one of the future episodes, I think the next episode after this is called Twin Sons, which leads me to believe, okay, we're finally going to Tatooine now. Oh, yeah, we are. I haven't, haven't you seen the new promos? I did, actually, with, uh, with Maul and Obi-Wan. Yeah, yeah, so we're definitely going there. We're finally getting this now, the closure to this story that started frickin' all the way back in Phantom Menace to now through Clone Wars. Yeah, that's almost 32 years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I cannot believe that. Man, how awesome is that fight going to be where Obi-Wan and Maul are finally going to have it out again? Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's even better because it's like slightly older Obi-Wan as yeah. well. This is, you know, this this will be like his last lightsaber battle until the fight with Vader. Pretty much, yeah. You wonder, it's like, will he expend all of his fighting stuff in this thing with Maul and be like, oh, I don't really have it for the fight with Vader. That's why I'm more or less going to be, hey, strike me down and I'll become more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that's why he comes to that realization after just barely surviving the fight with Maul. Yeah, he's getting a bit bit too old. He's like, I think that was my last one. I don't think I've got another one in me. 
That'd be really cool. That would be cool. Now, uh, one thing Matt and I really wanted to talk about this week, but we couldn't, was the new Samurai Jack. It's been a goddamn decade, and it's finally back on TV to finish it out. Unfortunately, I think it airs while Matt and I record this. Yeah, so we'll probably have to do it the episode after it, like next week's episode. Yeah. We'll have to talk about it, yeah. I know everyone's super psyched about it. I'm super psyched about it, too. I mean, come on. We've waited this long for it, and the planets have finally aligned, so let's friggin see how this shit ends yeah i can't wait for it you see how they've gone like almost old man logan with it where it's jack 50 years in the future and he's like i don't age anymore yeah he's got like the beard and everything wearing samurai armor shooting a gun that's what blew me away that like he's actually carrying a gun now yeah oh it's gonna be so good that he's gotten so tired he just doesn't care anymore and that he's actually like gotten use to modern day technology. I wonder I wonder what they're going to do with Aku too because Mako's not around anymore the voice actor. Yeah, well they I they could probably do it like I'm a new reborn Aku. Right. I've I've regenerated like Doctor Who. Yeah, something like that. They uh, they do it they did have a pretty decent sound alike for Avatar because of course he was on that show as well as Uncle Iroh, but you could always tell it wasn't him and so much of what made Aku so funny was because Mako was very funny in real life. Yeah, the voice was great. Yeah, Aku walked such an interesting line as a villain because he was scary when you needed him to be, but he was also really funny. In fact, he was often the funniest character. Yeah, it was really great. Because Jack is many things, but Jack wasn't funny. No, he was always really serious. He was the serious lens through which we saw the world, but Aku got to be, like, you know, manic and funny. It's it's really weird to see that, a funny villain serious hero. You almost never see that. Yeah, I wonder if they might, like, change that up a little bit and, like, make Jack a little bit funny since he's lived in this world for so long now. Yeah. He's kind of grown, grown a little used to it and everything he's and gone whatnot. He's a little nuts. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I know in the preview we saw he's fighting like a bunch of female ninjas and everything, and there's blood this time around. Like, characters actually bleed now. Yeah, they've gone a little bit more mature than it. It's it's a really smart choice, and I think in Tartakovsky in an interview he said, look, anyone who was a fan of the show ten years ago is probably an adult now and would probably appreciate this. Yeah, so they've kind of matured it with the audience and and it's only a mini series too like it's not going to be a whole long season it's going to be a mini series how many episodes is it going to be that's a damn good question i want to say eight but i could be full of shit i don't know okay let's google that right now let's have a look you know who i hope comes Uh, back because he was my favorite character and i really want to see what happened to this guy they brought him back three times before so it's clear the writers like him the scotsman i hope we get to see more of the scotsman dude Dude, I love the Scotsman. He's so funny. Oh, look at you in your little blousey outfit. Then he hits him with his sword, magic runes, making it so, hey, he's the only (laughs) other guy who has a magic sword in the show. So there, oh, it says here for season five, it's only four episodes. Oh, wow. (laughs) Only four episodes and it's done in April. Now, that being said, I don't think they say how long these episodes are, so they might actually be a little longer. Yeah, they pro- probably be like maybe 40, 40 minutes long. How long, how long were the original? They were like 20 minutes, weren't they? Yeah, with commercials. 10, ten minutes, yeah. Uh, does it have a runtime here for them? I don't see a runtime here for them. But, uh, no, yeah, I don't it, think it... It ends in April. It ends on April 1st. Yeah, maybe this is all just big one April Fool's joke. Oh, and they're like, aha, it's season six. That'd be <laughs> fucking cruel. 
here's the thing too all the episodes are actually roman numerals yeah yeah i saw that all the all the episode ones are roman numerals so yeah definitely definitely come back next week everyone and we'll talk about the first episode once we've officially seen it but we just wanted to give you a little give you a little taste right now just just before we end tartakovsky last year actually confirmed the scotsman is in the series oh yeah okay this this went from must watch to double must watch now <laughs> although although shit it's 50 years in the future so if the scotsman's still alive he's got to be like an old man if he's not dead oh that's gonna be awesome oh man that's gonna be that's gonna be sad i don't i don't know if i can deal with old man scotsman <laughs> uh I know, I know I've said it elsewhere, but that, uh, that first episode where the Scotsman shows up and they're walking across the bridge and they have that disagreement of who's going to walk which way, that is an actual real Scottish folk story. I have legit heard that story told at weddings like many times that I've been to. That's awesome. And it's always different, like, you know, oh, it's a Scotsman and an Irishman or a Scotsman and an Englishman. That's why in that episode it was a Scotsman and a Samurai, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so on that note, everyone, I think we can wind down the show for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more about what me and Matt are up to, you can listen to the Comic Multiverse podcast that's hosted on my own channel, as well as over on the SoundCloud page. Links to all of that down in the description. Also, if you want to download this episode and carry it around with you, I also back up this show on soundcloud so you know if you want to find me you can find me over on cape joel and if you want to find matt you can find him at fortress of solitude yes go check us out and see what we're doing thank you everyone for supporting this show over here and thank you for the notes people have been giving to i know some people matt because we're the one show that's not like a video show everyone's like hey can we can we see you and matt <laughs> maybe maybe I, I gotta get a new webcam yeah we're, we're not against it, is the thing. Obviously, I do a lot of cam shows, but here's the thing. We record this show late at night, and we kind of enjoy not having to have a camera on. We're not saying we won't do it. We're just saying we got to get a lot of groundswell for it, because, you know, I'll have to, like, comb my hair and put on pants. Yeah, who wants to do that? There's a lot of stuff i got to do, man, I tell you. But uh, until we meet again, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.